Everybody, I am excited to have Maya here for the Product Led Podcast. She's going to be talking about growth ideas, ideation, and the framework that she's been working for for startups and companies. How's it going, Maya? How are things with you? Things are amazing. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me as a guest here. It's such an honor to share a couple of nuggets of growth ideation expertise that will hopefully help companies to experiment more cautiously and more like meaningfully. Yeah, I am super excited as well. I know you work with some really cool folks. I've talked to Anuj before on a different podcast. Yeah, it just it just is going to be so good. But before we get started talking about growth, you said that you love wine. And I can't go on without asking you what is your favorite go-to wine to drink. <laughs> you see this picture? Yes. That's the south of France. A very, very, very dear landscape to me. And my favorite wine is actually Coderon. It's a beautiful like cluster of villages. There are 22 villages in the region and it comes with a very rich tradition. So in the 14th century, the popes moved from Rome to the south of France, to Avignon. And amazing wine tradition was born there. So there are like 22 villages, but the two most famous ones are Chateauneuf-de-Pape and Vaquera. And I was just drinking one of the Coderon wines today because it just gives me sweet memories of how the travels to the south of France were. And it keeps me normal for a minute or two. <laughs> That's good to know. I wonder if, do they sell that outside of that place? Like you cannot buy it? All right. Okay, good. Good to know. Yeah, totally. So the most famous French wine is obviously like Champagne. The second one is Bordeaux, but Coderon is like, it's a very drinkable wine, like right. Italian Chianti or something like that. So it's not a festive wine, but it's a very, very, very enjoyable wine. So I definitely recommend you to give it a shot and maybe you'll get addicted like I am. <laughs> we should have, uh, I should talk to Wes Bush about hosting a, a wine and product-led session or something like that. Count me in. <laughs> I'm your girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so funny. Anyway, that's good to know. And I'm going to add a link to those points in the show notes. <laughs> but let's talk about growth. Uh, a big thing about growth is coming up with effective ideas and just running through that. You help companies run through this growth ideation workshop that have put together. I'm curious, what is for you like, how did this come about? Like, What is the genesis or the story behind starting this workshops and also this framework? Got it. So there is like a clear discrepancy between like, I want to be a growth hacker. I want to do something growth related. And then on the other hand, but what do I do exactly, right? So the whole idea of having this growth ideation workshop is to bridge the gap between I want something and then reality to actually get stuff moving in business practice. And it came like from a very specific need of company. So I was working with a company like two years ago that was extremely eager to invest in growth hacking. Like they hired people, they read all the books, but somehow they couldn't move the needle. Mm. And I felt that it would be very beneficial for them to just like gather everybody in the room and generate ideas, prioritize ideas, and then like commit. We're going to do free experiments per week and we have 
a huge bucket of ideas to choose from. So having no ideas was never the option after we did this growth ideation. And from there on, I mean, ideas are always evolving, right? You should be grooming your mm. backlog. You should be like making data-informed decisions from the experiments that you have run. But just like having this boost this kickstart is so beneficial and empowering for people because it's such an amazing thing that you bring everybody in the same room and get this full buy-in for growth operation in the company. And that's kind of a magic moment. I firmly believe that people need ceremonies and this is one of the ceremonies. Uh, it's not a useless ceremony though. Mm. It actually produces tangible growth ideas tied to specific growth objectives. Interesting. All right. So it came about because people are looking for more ideas around this. That brings results. I'm curious, can you talk a little bit through this process now uh, and share like the, the steps around how this workshops or growth ideation workshops go when you run and help companies go through it? Surely. Uh, before I do that, I got a pass a ball to you a little bit and ask you how many experiments do you think that the average growth team runs within a month? That's a good question. Average growth team, uh, are they already running? Oh yeah, I'm just going to throw a number out there. Maybe... Go ahead. Maybe once a week, one a week, average, four. That's a fairly good guess. So more than like 80% of growth teams and the sample in this research by growthhackers.com was 500 established growth teams run less than 10 experiments per month. Yeah. And you know how many of them are successful? Mm, probably one, one out of 10 <laughs> could be good. All right, one out of 10 is an amazing guess, but let's say, let's be a little bit more generous and say that 25% okay. of, um, of experiments right. are successful. So in like by doing simple math, that means that you would need approximately two months to deliver one win for a company. Huh. And that sucks. <laughs> I mean, that's not a great kickoff of your growth yeah. operation. And just like by being able to increase this experimentation velocity and having a healthy backlog of ideas mm. that you can go ahead and test uh, with your growth team is such a valuable essence. And let's uh, talk about how to do that mm. to actually answer your question. Yeah. First of all, as you know, the majority of the best growth ideas come from the company itself and from user research. Mm. So it's not as if you would be hiring some fancy consultants to move mm. your business around. It's not as if you could hope that a magic unicorn will come <laughs> and transform your business completely. That doesn't happen frequently. So uh, the majority of ideas are already somewhere in people's heads. Often when I ran into people and we just have this ideation, they have, yes, this is what I suggested two years ago, but nobody listened to me. But just like having this system of accountability and just like this track record of ideas is supremely important. Mm. And after you inform yourself with some sort of user research, which includes inevitably digging around your product analytics, this is a step that you can simply not cross. Uh, then we do a bunch of like either user surveys or like user interviews, uh, usability tests because these are like such amazing source of information. But what we pre-discovered within the analytics audits and what we were doing in terms of funnel engineering was that you can pinpoint which stage of the funnel is broken, right? And usually it's onboarding. Usually it's activation. Usually it's somewhere in between because 
Well, you all know that you cannot send out more people to the leaky bucket and expect that something good will come out of mm. this. So that's usually like a head start, but it's not like 100% true. After you conduct a research and do a little bit of competitor screening or maybe some sort of best example monitoring, for example, a lot of people are inspired by either Amazon, like HubSpot and those like super awesome companies that we all admire and love. It's time to get specific. Mm. And in this step, from the analysis that we did beforehand, from knowing the funnel, we can identify a couple of growth objectives. Mm. What is a growth objective? It's a like less of an ex, uh, abstract concept than just like knowing what you can realistically achieve within two or three months. So if you have, for example, like conversion rate, which is 0,9%, but you know that your funnel will only be profitable if you convert at like 1,5%, that would be an amazing growth mm. objective for you. Then like if you need five enterprise partners in order to build your credibility the mar the market, that would be another awesome objective for you. Maybe you want to increase your user base from like 1,000 users to 5,000 within three months and you want to run campaigns like that. So it's very important to be specific. Uh, these are not OKRs. Gotta say that like it's not Thank to be 70% successful in them. This is something that you kind of reverse engineer of what the success look like, right? So I could ask myself right now, how does success look like for my business by the end of January, mm. how I will be happy if I achieve something, how I will be influencing my bottom line. And uh, these are growth objectives. So I have to emphasize this. Usually you are tackling two or three. Don't go around and uh, invest into experimenting for seven growth objectives because mm. chances that you will meet them are rather slim. So focus, focus, focus. And by Introducing a little bit of a design thinking technique later on, for each growth objective, we are developing a bunch of ideas of mm. how we could achieve something. Specifically, we could ask ourselves, how could we generate like 2,000 new users mm. by the end of whatever month? And we are just like bringing people together, then brain power, their informed decision-making, their previous experience, their consumer experience even. And they are just like throwing around these ideas of how this objective could be achieved. Because we all know that businesses are very limited in terms of resources, time, money, as well as. <laughs> Just like the general effectiveness and efficiency of a process that we got to choose the stuff that have like the tremendous impact in our business that will help us move the needle. We need to prioritize things. So based on how complex is something to implement, complex and expensive that is, that's a dimension called ease. And then we have a dimension called impact. How likely is it going to help us achieve a certain objectives or a certain metric that we are tackling? We can pick like, I wouldn't say low hanging fruits, but ideas that will most likely get us to where we want to go. Mm. And that's extremely impactful. This process usually lasts for an hour or so, usually from five to 10 people participate in this ideation. And it just has this wow moment at the end. Just like people are happy, people are on with somebody and they 
just feel accomplished that they have participated. Because when we were talking with like growth teams and what their like biggest obstacles are that prevent them from launching more experiments, managing the growth process and generating growth ideas were two of the most common reasons. It's just how it goes in practice. And that's a framework with an ambition to help us bridge this gap. Mm, wow, that's so in-depth. Thank you for really sharing that. I want to dig into, like you talked about this process. I'm curious who should be part, like I'm guessing it's not like a, so, a solo mission, right? It's not like one person just sitting in a room, just thinking of all these ideas, doing all this research. Who should be part of this process, this workshop that you run through with ideation? Thanks for asking that. And that's very, very, very dependent and specific mm. to an organization and who's a growth lead there. I've seen a lot of like product managers or even developers who are fantastic growth leads. But in majority of cases, like 80% of the cases, marketeers have this honor of being the uh, team leads. Uh, it's a little bit different. So in says the percentage of product uh, people who go into growth is a little bit higher. But yeah, this is somebody who is usually your economic buyer per se for growth process, right? right? So the one that actually assigns a budget to such operations. And later, other than that, a person that will actually be accountable to move this to business, to just like implement what we were talking about. So with that person, it's extremely important to have a couple of pre-iterations to just like make sure that you can help them select who will participate. And my mm. usual go-to people are people who are in touch with customers. These are either people who work in support, people who work in sales, or whoever is talking to customers on a right. very frequent basis. That's a gold mine on information. Other than that, it's also a little bit dependent with the company policies. Sometimes CEOs want to be there. Sometimes business unit heads want to be there because they want to show their support and their mm. love for the organization and emerging growth operation within it, which is totally awesome. And I strongly encourage that. But other than that, like in an average growth team, there is a marketer, there is a product manager, mm. there is a UXer, there is a developer and emergingly also conversion rate optimizers. That's an extremely interesting function as well. And I wouldn't say that you should be bringing 20 people in the same room because the creative chaos could be a little bit overwhelming, but to have a birthday party of three is not that productive either. So anywhere between five and 10 would be my sweet spot. Interesting. All right. So we got five and 10 people ranging across from sales, marketing, product, commercial rate optimization. I want to talk about the first step about gathering data and doing research. How much time in advance do you give the people to gather all this data before the actual ideation workshop does happen? Cool. It depends on how organizational organization is savvy mm. in their research. So some of the companies that we work with have like amazing data already collected and they can just like put everything to the mirror board and everything is super clear. But with the other companies, especially to the ones that are just starting out and are still like exploring what the scaling thingy for their business could be, the situation is as such that I first encourage them to run at least one customer discovery survey, mm -hmm. right? To get like a little bit of a 
digestible feedback from market that they can just like comprehend in terms of what the biggest pain points are, what preferred marketing channels are, what almost prevented them from buying, stuff like this. Maybe MPS, I like to squeeze MPS even in that research <laughs> as well. So that would usually like in an organization would take like two weeks to execute such a survey. And I was just like working on a survey with an awesome company, a high tech company, and they had like 56 customers Thanks. out of which 4,000 customers answered their survey. Survey was done very simply in type forum. And surprisingly, they spent 20 minutes answering the survey, which was phenomenal. <laughs> like to volunteer 20 minutes to a company, it just like meant how involved their customers are. Other than that, you can like find a lot of stuff on the internet by just like this searching for what your customers are already saying about you. So to study reviews a little mm. bit, to do a little bit of a text analysis there. And sometimes I even encourage companies to do interviews, especially if they are just like starting out to just get like this gist of who decision makers are. Having like too little time is never an excuse for me because you know what is the most simple survey that you can do? You can ask five of your customers, hey there, what industry events are you visiting? Mm. What influencers are you following? And what's your preferred social media channel? That will probably very well inform your acquisition per se, right? Sure, and yeah. it's one email that probably like 80% of people will answer anyways. <laughs> so whatever data point uh, you can get here is awesome, but usually it takes like a week to prepare for such thing and also to study profiles. I'm always very cautious, for example, to remember people's names mm. and what somebody's role is. Because when we are having this intense interaction for an hour or so it would be impossible to just like browsing around my <laughs> zoom screen oh you are john what <laughs> that would be stupid so yeah. i gotta do a lot of prep for that before and competitor analysis and just like data crunching is so super useful mm. for people because they don't do it frequently you know right. and sometimes just like doing that gives them so many insights mm, so good yeah you're you're totally right about that the whole research piece yeah, about just making sure you gather the data. I mean, I'm guessing you're giving this in advance to that team who's gonna do, the, who's gonna be part of this workshop, so that they Absolutely. can read read it in advance, right? They they have already done the homework a little bit about this. You also probably want to give an agenda, and that's where I want to get into is what does an agenda of this ideation workshop look like? Uh, well, you, Mister, are like semi-qualified already to run such a workshop because you just nailed the prep stage. Congratulations <laughs> for that. Let me give you an agenda too, so you can be my fair competitor. <laughs> so for the first like ten minutes or so, we would just like have these icebreakers because mm. right now we only have like remote workshops, and sometimes people are not very comfortable with using either Miro, Morale, or other softwares that is being used. That I am one hundred percent Miro though. I just like leaving Miro. It's impossible to get me out of this. But yeah, you know, people, especially when you are doing remote things, I'm doing like a lot of work with German companies, American companies, Swedish companies, and they usually see me for the first time on Zoom. So I just got to be very clear on what their technical level of expertise is. So I have these exercises such as approach your mouse to a GIF that best describes your mood right now so that I can see if they can navigate the space nicely. Then we have 
what is your favorite beverage? <laughs> and then they have to write stuff on post-it. That's just like a little, like it's a little silly exercise to just like have the technology skills ready, right? After we do that and we make sure that everybody is in the same board and in the same intellectual space, we actually have a little walkthrough from the board that we are presenting. So first of all, everybody was recommended to read the research beforehand and we don't go much into that, but I keep it on the board just as a visual mm-hmm. reminder if people got to circle back to it so that it is there, that it's handy for them to circle back to them. Other than that, like growth objectives are also predefined. So you mm-hmm. don't go on a workshop and say, hey guys, what would you like to do in the next quarter? <laughs> Let's give it a shot. But that's something that derived like from data analytics and from talking to whoever, like the lead of the growth operation mm. within the companies. And basically, we go straight ahead, like after five to eight minutes or so into the ideation phase. Mm. Normally, we are tackling two growth objectives at the time, right? Yeah. So for each growth objective, we would have 10 minutes of ideation. And that would be a quiet ideation. Why quiet? Because we don't want to influence our colleagues and we would like to focus on what's actually going on. And I don't know if that's the issue in Canada, in the US, but in Europe, like some bosses can be pretty let's say it's intense and people would just like follow them hierarchically and lean towards their ideas without necessarily expressing themselves. So there is a certain level of hierarchy that sometimes just like causes this destructive Mm, cohesiveness of a group. And what we want here is to create like a sort variety of ideas. So silent ideation is the best way how to go around it. After we do an ideation for two or three growth objectives, it's time for voting. Mm. And voting usually takes like 10 minutes. People are reading other people's ideas and casting votes. There are limited amount of votes and we do like timers and voting automatically in Miro. Amazing features there. Absolutely love it. And with also with voting, like in real elections, uh, people don't influence each other. So (laughs) you cannot see what other colleagues have voted before all the votes are casted. And that gives you a really realistic pictures of what ideas are the most upvoted. Yeah, totally. And nevertheless, in the last step, uh, you just like make sure that these ideas that were just like the most upvoted and the most like commonly agreed that uh, they make sense to explore further are put into the prioritization matrix. And then you can find stuff that you would move to immediately, which is do now section. These are things that are relatively easy to implement and have like very, very, very big impact. And sometimes like it's really interesting to also discuss a difference between an experiment and a project. For example, if I come up with an idea, for example, like launch an influencer marketing program, that's not an experiment, right? Mm. That's a research of softwares and that's a project per se. So it could never, ever, ever go into your experiment backlog. It's a project that will eventually enable you to experiment with that. And experiment would be something like move your, I wouldn't say call to action button from red (laughs) to green because that's so per se. For example, experiment would be like 
make sure that people can use your software before they can actually sign in to reduce the friction yeah. in the sign-up process. That could be like a good example of an experiment, mm. right? That could be tested relatively shortly. And that's kind of a common sense thinking that we have when we are just like making sure that we are not embracing some projects into our experiment backlogs. I want to ask a follow-up question about the voting. You mentioned that you want to make sure that other people <laughs> don't influence other people. And, you know, if the you're the big boss or VP votes, everybody goes there just to <laughs> suck up to that VP, right? Like, what's your system for voting so that it doesn't come across as a hippo, you know, the, the one who's the highest paid person gets the most votes because just because they want to suck up to that person? I change all the virtual post-its to the same color and I eliminate fields with names so it's impossible Uh, for them to remember who was the author of a specific idea. uh, That makes sense. That totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's a real problem. I'm so glad that you brought it up Mm. because if I don't cost at least like two out of 10 votes to my boss, he or she will believe that I don't like her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And you know, you, you might have talked a little bit about this. And once everybody has voted, what is your prioritization framework on, on uh, making sure that the experiments get ordered appropriately? Cool. There are two lessons that I know from my previous life. First is that having the ideation process throughout the funnel doesn't work because you get to develop a certain ideas of the stages that don't concern you at the moment. And you just like end up with this huge backlog of 200 ideas that you feel anxiety towards executing. So that's not very energizing. That just like makes people nervous in real life. And to tackle everything based on a specific growth objectives, what is currently broken in the business is so much more meaningful. And the second thing that I have learned is that ideas need to be written in a specific and disputable manner. Because if I write an idea such as maybe we should test our ads on white background, that could be interpreted on like 800 different manners by a designer, right? So that wouldn't be a very good experiment idea per se, just because it's so immature. So what I'm trying to help companies with in this prioritization exercise is to choose a manageable chunk of experiments because intellectual masturbation of throwing ideas around is easy. It's but true. seeing like overpack backlog is not and just like it sucks the energy out of you. So I would like to help them place their bets on things that will most likely work and prioritize them in the first place. I am still using like roadhackers.com experiment software, even though a couple of other companies that I'm working with are using other solutions, but I don't want to go into the growth ideas management softwares right now. It can be a spreadsheet if that works for you, but eventually whatever you come up with in the growth ideation work, shop needs to be prioritized based on your selected framework. That might be ice, that might be pie, that might be rice. I don't care as long as you are consistently doing it. And that will help you to transform like the best ideas and the most like potential ideas to your actual growth sprints. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, you you want to be thinking about Does that. it? Yeah, it does. 
It really cool, does. Cool. You that's, nice. Sure. that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're making sure that I'm following along. But you're right. I think it's so critical to that you're they're thinking about that, about prioritizing their order. Yeah. Now, just like to bring a couple of ideas. Sure. So in an average workshop, yeah. like 200 ideas are generated. Wow. And not sure. all of them. It's insane. Yeah. Like, seriously, if you give people 10 minutes, you would be surprised with the amount of ideas that they come up with. It's just like such a wonderful, wonderful creation moment there. But like a lot of ideas are not like nicely elaborated. So they are not like something that you could spend with. Then we have ideas that are not ideas, but are projects and ideas that might be a little bit cuckoo, meaning that there are some sort of moonshots that you don't want to prioritize necessarily next week. So I just like the other week, somebody had an idea to work with imaginary influencers. So these are the fictional characters with their own Instagram and Twitter profiles. And that's lovely but not right now in Q4 <laughs> when we are preparing for Black Friday and Cyber Monday and Christmas season. It's so good. Is that success? Like, I'm curious what you would find successful in terms of like number of growth ideas generated. I mean, if a team goes through the workshop, they come up with 10. I'm guessing that's like, you know, you need to try harder, guys. That never happens. What's a good number of uh, ideas that comes out of this workshop? Yeah, Totally. That's a very valid question and I don't like to put like too many labels on what is success because quality over quantity. Mm. But normally like the pure, like the minimal idea that I've seen in my business practice was 30. And out of those 30, at least like 10 ideas are probably good because if people are thinking that much about this, that should probably happen. And also like you and I, we are like both pretty much extroverted people. So if we see somebody who's struggling, we can cheer them a little bit. We can make a silly joke. We can encourage them to work harder. We can just like praise them or just like build a little bit on their ideas. Not too much though, but just like to show that, come on, you're doing well. You're gonna keep on going, keep on going. You got this. (laughs) (laughs) So you can like totally control this. And I wouldn't say that the amount of ideas is the best metric of success of such a workshop. I would rather rely on this thing that a business would be able to identify like 10 or 20 ideas that would have an immediate impact for them. Mm, that's that's good. Yeah, you're right. I want to go to the next step. Like you come out with all these ideas. Like ideas are great, but they need to execute, execute right? Like how, how? <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm sure that's, that's also a, an important part of this process. But how can teams make sure that they actually end up executing on this, this workshop? Like they've generated this, this great ideas that will, are high impact. What's next? How do they make sure they, they go from there and actually execute? Cool. After the prioritization is done and we shape those post-its into actual decent experiments with hypotheses and like common sense of how we will measure things, we create this backlog of things that would be candidates to nominate in our growth meetings. And you know that like the majority of teams have weekly or bi-weekly growth sprints. So I like to start with people, but just like saying that launching like free experiments per week is your first metric. The ones they do it, it's five experiments per week. And after they automize, they can run hundreds of experiments at the same time. And also like 
ideas get generated really, really more quickly. But we are talking about like a pure beginning of a growth operation here. So how I would usually run such a growth meeting is that, look, here are the ideas with the biggest score. Now let's decide what free experiments will we launch next week to be analyzed by the next growth sprint that Mm. we will run. So it's all about having manageable, it's not even ambitious. It's literally just like a commitment such as like exercise five times a week or something like that. It's just like a commitment number. Mm, That's good. Yeah, you're you're right in terms of execution. I want to start wrapping up. We've talked a lot about ideation and the process and the framework. If you can summarize and give one or two or however many pieces of advice you'd like to give (laughs) to teams who are looking for more growth ideas, Uh, What would be those pieces of advice you'd like to share? Mm -hmm. Our first one will sound extremely boring. And it is like, (laughs) be the best secretary you can be. So whenever you are brainstorming, whenever you are having this conversation, don't let ideas slip. Just like document everything. Have your black book, your software thingy ready, whatever. Just like put everything down so that you can like constantly nurture your backlog. Second thing is that probably the best growth ideas already live in the head of your frontline employees because they are talking with your customers on a daily basis and they know exactly what is currently something that you can do better to serve your market, right? So these are extremely valuable people to include in the ideation process. And nevertheless, that would literally be the last piece of advice that I would give to you. Make it fun. Like make people fall in love in the process, make them hurt, make them like excited about doing that, celebrate wins, congratulate them for achieving something, make this an enjoyable process that will be fulfilling for people personally. Because like professionally, it's so easy to get stuck. And this experimentation process, I am training one company where like 17 people want to be in a growth team because a business unit head in charge of that is saying that this is the funnest thing in the company, that (laughs) we are always experimenting with something, breaking something, having this carte blanche, meaning white cards to do whatever we want practically. And it uh, can be a very, very, very fulfilling role. And it's your job as a growth lead to make it as such and just share this enthusiasm and winning attitude throughout the organization because you are a difference maker. Mm, That's so good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And one last thing, where can people find out more about your work, Maya? What is your call to action? Do you want them to <laughs> go to your website, go to your LinkedIn, add you, uh, go to your Twitter? What do you want the listener for Product Led Podcast to do? So with wonderful friends at Product Led Growth, we will run our very first together uh, growth ideation workshop, which is going to be recorded. And that would be a very, very, very nice way for you to get the gist of it, to just like see the framework, to play around the framework a little bit and see if that's right for you. And I'm a very like intense person on LinkedIn. Sometimes I quarrel a little bit. A lot of times I'm writing motivational statuses, but not too pathetic. Don't be worried. Uh, So it's very, very, very easy to connect with me on LinkedIn. I would urge you not to visit my website because it badly needs a facelift. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Maya. I really do appreciate your time. It was fantastic. Good luck with everything and keep on rocking with this knowledge sharing and uh, expertise exchange that you are uh, nailing here. 